Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Time is good. Amen. So good. Amen. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. I know we haven't taken the offering. That's fine. Lord's Spirit is here. Amen. Touch hearts and lives and wants to. Wants to. Amen. Would you believe me if I told you I have an abbreviated sermon? But I think it's important for it to be said. God's Spirit is so rich. Scripture says he reaches to the uttermost. As far as you can fathom, a step beyond that. That's how far he reaches for us. Whatever situation that life has served us or that we may believe we are in goes to the uttermost. It's going to be abbreviated. But just got something just got just got to tell Deuteronomy chapter number seven. They don't have this up here. So if you have a phone or a Bible or a scroll, you might be able to find this recorded in there. And I will be mindful of your time. I know we've worshipped and, and these folks have done a lot of singing. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, in verse number 6, just three verses. He says, they're on the verge of crossing into the promised land. Moses is speaking. God is speaking through Moses would perhaps be the more clear statement. He says, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I'm going to entitle this an open-ended title. I want to call this tonight this, He Loves You Because. 
says, I, I've put my finger in the water tonight. And there are minds and there are hearts that say, and if he loves me, there has to be a reason for him to love me. Because sometimes the only way that it seems like we can wrap our minds around God is if we put him in human terms and human environment. And, you know, if someone's going to love another person, it's they love them because such and such or so and so. So I want to minister to you just a little while open-endedly. He loves you because. You may be seated. This is my abbreviated sermon. Israel, again, as I said, is on the verge of entering the promised land. The very land that God said was for them. He kept for them. That would be their inheritance from him. And this generation of people has endured the hard trials of a wilderness journey. They have known what it's to be like to deal with food and water scarcity for years of time through their wilderness journey. They have succumbed according to the word of the Lord. They have succumbed to bouts and times of disease. And they have succumbed to moments in which plagues have been among their people and had been threatening them and had even threatened even to take them all had it not been for the hand of the Lord. Plagues that came and lessened their numbers during their traveling in the wilderness journeys. And yet, here they are. They have survived up to this moment. And their survival, according to the word of the Lord, it cannot be chalked up to their wisdom or their ingenuity or something that they have done or how they have outsmarted something or so on and so forth. As a matter of fact, the psalmist perhaps gives this particular refrain and reflection concerning Israel's welfare and where they were at even at this point in time of Psalms 124. The psalmist said, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Now may Israel say, if it, he repeats it, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick. In other words, we made it through the wilderness. We made it through times of drought and lack of food and hard trials and disease and plague. Not because we had a certain finesse about us, we didn't perish from hunger and we didn't perish from thirst. Not because we were more resilient than others. Our people were not wiped out by disease. Not because there's a special quality that we possess. No, we made it because God claimed us as his. It's because of God. And perhaps one of the easiest pitfalls that even sometimes we can get trapped into thinking as Christians along the way is that we got somewhere alone. We got somewhere because of ourselves, Or we get to a place sometimes where we would believe that we can do life without God. 
which is not the case. Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 10 says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Moses was even warning the Israelites. He said, there's going to be a day whenever you cross over this Jordan River and you enter into your promised land that God has been reassuring to you and you're going to go into this place and you're going to inherit some cities, good cities, great cities that you didn't even put forth a hand or sweat any from your brow for building. He said you're going to come into houses that's going to be full of goods and good things that you did not acquire yourself. You're going to be drinking from some very deep wells. Water's going to touch your lips that you didn't even have to raise a hand or put one shovel of dirt over in order to dig that well. You're going to be eating some food unlike you have ate throughout your wilderness journey and you're going to be full from vineyards and you're going to be full from olive trees that you had no hand in planting. And he says when all of that comes about I don't want you to forget that God has done this for you and that God has brought this to you and these are benefits that you can enjoy because of the promises of God. He was basically telling them I don't want you to forget that that you cannot do really you can but you shouldn't you can't do life without God the fact of the matter is you can do life without God you can do life without God. The book of Ecclesiastes is a testimony to someone who attempted doing life without God. It's the story of Solomon, a backslidden Solomon, of course. As he's writing, he's surveying what life was like under the sun. That's the constant phraseology in Ecclesiastes over and over. This is what life is under the sun, meaning life without God. And when we look at Solomon, we see he was very successful. He has built buildings, he has vineyards, he has gardens, he has irrigation canals all of these things that he's created and made, they are legendary amen for his, his time he is a man of great wealth, anything he wanted under the sun, it was at his fingertips he could buy anything that he wanted nothing would be withheld from the hands of Solomon, he, there's not a price tag too big or high for him to pay, he knew according to scripture, we read it in Ecclesiastes he knew how to eat, how to drink, how to be merry. This was his life without God. He knew all the mechanics of a woman. Amen. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If the man didn't know, then he just don't know. Amen. He knew. He probably had them in varying sizes, varying personality, varying beauty, varying nationality, and yet he pursued every conceivable path with them, and whenever he starts his book of Ecclesiastes, he concludes everything that this journey he's about ready to go on and say this life under the sun is vanity and the vanity of vanities it's meaningless it's emptiness and so you can do life without God but listen if you do this life without God it'll be eternal life without him as well And so he's speaking to the nation of Israel as they're about ready to cross over into the promised land. And Israel, no doubt, is thinking in their mind, 
And we think even if Israel is where Israel is because of God, why did God spare them in the wilderness? Why did God keep the plagues from overtaking them? Why did God keep food at their hand and their mouths and drink that they needed? And Moses reminds them that God chose them. Notice this now. and I, It's going to get better, all right? That God chose them to be. Everybody say to be. God chose them to be a special people. God did not choose them because they were. He says, I'm choosing you to be special, but I'm not choosing you because you are special. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, I suppose right away, I mean, here's Moses. If he's trying to give a pep talk, boy, it seems to be very lacking. You're telling me, Moses, God kept us and God sustained us and God did all of this. Amen. From the very beginning with Abraham forward, not because we're necessarily special, but he, he chose us to be special. Surely Israel's ego could have been somewhat hurt by that type of statement. But God didn't choose us. Listen, I'm even talking about the church. God didn't choose us because we are special. And I understand that that kind of fractures every thought that we've entertained why God would love us. Huh? Because in our minds we begin to rationalize and we begin to think along these lines. There's got to be some reason why God loves me, right? Everybody has asked that question from time to time. Everybody is mulled over that question from time to time. Why does God love me? Why would God choose me? Why would God care about me? Why would God be interested in me? Why are the things that I go through he would be interested in? Why would God choose to love and find any interest in me? I'm a deplorable person. I have people in my own family that don't love me. Why would God... Why would God love me and find interest into me? And can I tell you tonight that does, those type of questions don't just come from people who are dealing with self-esteem issues, but those are the questions that all of us should be asking. Why, why does God love me? Why, why does God care about what is a care to me? Why, why does God care if I die or live? He has plenty of other human beings upon this earth. Why would God particularly care about me? And that must have been somewhat of an issue that was passing through the mind of the children of Israel. And so God decided to address it right here in Deuteronomy chapter number 7. And God addressed it and he told Israel, he said, you are not here because you're special. I know, it'll get better before it's all over. You're not here because you're special. I didn't love you. I didn't set my love upon you. I didn't choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. It's not as though you had something that was flamboyant about you or more interesting about you than other people in order for me to choose you and to love you. For that matter, Israel, there's plenty other nations around. There's other nations that are stronger than you are. There's nations that are greater than you are. There's nations that have more number than you are. Amen. You were the fewest of people, but I chose to love you. I chose to set my affection upon you. Just, just, uh, this is abbreviated. You're going to be surprised. Amen. How abbreviated this is. But it's important to understand that when God chose Israel, 
When God chose Israel, he did so years before this time when he chose Abraham. Brother Aiden, what that means is when God chose Israel is when he chose Abraham. And that means when he chose Abraham, he was choosing a childless man that was living in a heathen city that had a family and a father and himself who were a bunch of idol worshipers. When God set his love upon him, when God set his affection upon him, when God chose him, he was a childless man that was living in a heathen city with an idol-worshiping family. Someone say amen. So folks, if I can tell you right now, if that was the situation of Abraham's life, we can't say God loved him because he was faithful. We can't say God loved him due to his obedience. We can't say that God loved him due to his lifestyle. We can't say that God loved that God loved him because the members of his family were dedicated to God and they were many. We can't say that God loved him for any of those reasons. So we ask again, then why would God love Abraham? Why would God love Israel? Why would God love you? And why would God love me? Because the fact of the matter is none of us have a human qualification to warrant God's love. Someone say amen. None of us are strong enough. None of us are good enough. None of us are faithful enough. None of us are anything enough. God even tells them in chapter 9 of Deuteronomy, he says, Israel, I'm bringing you into this land. I'm making a way for you to inherit it, not because you're righteous. He just tells him this. He says, I'm not doing this because you're righteous enough. He says that this isn't happening because you've been more upright in your heart than other nations know. So let's review again. God's telling them it's not because of your numbers. It's not because you're qualified. It's not because you're special. It's not because you're righteous. It's not because you're upright then why in the world God have you set your love upon us <laughs> look at it at verse 8 it's so simple the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you Israel because of this or that but because the Lord loved you it's so simple brother Mason he says, it's not your numbers. It's not your righteousness. It's not some human qualification. It's not because you're a goody tissue. It's not because your life hasn't been just overwhelmed with bad stuff. No, no, no. God loves you because he loves you. I know that seems very simple. He loves you because he loves you. There are no other qualifiers. There's, there's no other justification. He loves you because he loves you. Oh, but Abraham was an idol worshiper. He loves him because he loves him. Oh, but Abraham was a childless man. He loves him because he loves him. So, so we get in our minds, uh, there's got to be a reason for God to love me. There's got to be enough perks or a uh, uh, somewhat graduated scale in my life that if I reach, then God will love me. No, friend, God loves you because he loves you. That's the end of the story. There's not a qualifier. There's, there's not a 10-step program. God loves you because he loves you. He set his love upon you. 
Can I tell somebody tonight that in 1 John, it doesn't say that God loved us because we first loved him. The scripture says we love him because he first loved us. But why does he love me? He loves you because he loves you. Sister McGee, I heard her quote it tonight, and I'm going to go there too. Romans 5 and verse 6. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man would some even to dare die. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, there's no perks there. There's no category there. There's no justification there. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. He loves us because he loves us. make it complicated we want to set up the hurdles we want to put the sand out for the broad jump we want to raise the pole on the pole vault but God's initial love toward mankind is just because he loves them listen to pastor tonight please listen to me because here's, here's the reason in justification if there's something you can do to get God's love that means there's something you could do for him to refuse you and not love you. And listen to me very clearly. If any of us ever make our bed in hell someday, it won't be because God stopped loving us. If any of us show up in hell someday, it'll only be because God cannot betray his own justice. It'll have nothing to do with him not loving us. Because he loves us because he loves us. Someone say amen. Look at your neighbor and say there's no qualifier. Listen, friend, you could never be enough for his love. You could never be righteous enough for his love. You could never be loyal enough for his love. You could never be substantial enough for his love. He loves you because he loves you. It's a little verse in the Psalms. It's abbreviated. I'm telling you, it's abbreviated. Psalms 135 and verse 4. Look at it in the Psalms, if you will. It's such a simple verse. In Psalms, there's parallelism, which means they state a line and then they state another line. Sometimes it defines the other line or, or it's basically stating the same thing, just a little differently. Psalms 135, verse number four, for the Lord hath, look at the word here, chosen, Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Interestingly enough, the Lord uses the two the two namesakes of Jacob here. Jacob and Israel. He says, though, he leads, though, with this. He doesn't lead with, the Lord has chosen Israel. The one whose name, man, he's, he's, had, he's had power, he's prevailed, he's had power with God and man and prevailed. No, 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 no. He doesn't lead with that one. 
He says, I chose Jacob. Jacob? God, what in the ever-living world were you thinking to choose a Jacob? Who wants to trick his brother out of the birthright? What are you thinking? Why are you choosing? Everybody hear me? Choice? It's not like God's hands were tied behind his back here. It was an act of his own mental and capable empowerment. Someone say it was his choice. He chose a Jacob. Somebody that, 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 that cheated his brother out of a birthright. He chose Jacob. Somebody, somebody that was going to there be before uh, his daddy whose eyes were growing dim and pose as being the other boy and get the blessing. That Jacob. Yeah, God, God, he chose that Jacob. You're talking, you, 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 what are you, you talking about this guy that even cheated, amen, his, his, his relative Laban, amen, out of some livestock and such? Yeah, that Jacob. You're talking about the conniver. You're talking about the supplanter. You're talking about, yeah, God chose that Jacob. Honey, if God can choose a Jacob, he loves him and chooses him because he loves him and he chooses him. It's not, it's not based on merit. It's, huh? If that was the case, he would have, he had waited to make his choice till he turned to Israel. He'd have waited on Abraham till he moved to the promised land. And built his first altar. But whenever Abraham was altarless, God says, I love you because I love you. Someone hear me. Listen, you go on New Testament scripture. It's abbreviated. Amen. We go to New Testament scripture. Look at it. Look at it. Even the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, right? Huh? A woman comes in. She's going to wash. She's going to wash his feet with her tears and all this such. And while she's in here doing all this, there's like Simon over here, and he's saying to some folks, saying, "If he knew the type of woman that she was, doesn't he know that she's a sinner? Why is he allowing? Why is he allowing her to touch him? Why is he allowing her to do these deeds and things to him? Doesn't they? Don't they know that she's a sinner?" I'll tell you why. Because he loves her because he loves her. It doesn't matter if she was the sinner or a Pharisee or the high priest. He loves him because, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's drag in this lady that was caught in the very act of adultery. And let's drag her in here before the Lord and tell her what the Moses' law says. You know what the law says, Lord? The law says that this lady should be stoned. And the Bible says they were going to carry that out. Everybody has stones in their hand from the youngest to the oldest. They're going to cast at her because she has done a deed that's wrong according to the law. And the Lord gets down on the ground and he writes a few things and he makes a statement to the accusers that are there and he says, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. Every single one of them that were there had sin. And they all dropped their stones. And he looked back to the woman and he says, where's your accusers? Has anybody accused you? No man, Lord. And no word, the Lord's words, neither do I condemn you Listen, condemnation doesn't come from the Lord. Conviction comes from the Lord, but condemnation doesn't. If there's things condemning you, telling you you're not good enough, you'll never amount to it, you're not worth anything, that's not God. He'll never condemn you, but he will convict you.
you. Why in the world would he allow that to happen? A lady that's been married five times and it's not even with the man she's married with right now. I tell you why. He loves her because he loves her. If you had three husbands, I would love you. No. He loves her because he loves. Stand with me. I told you. I'm telling you. He loves her because he loves her. Israel, not because you're numerous. Not because you can pull a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. No, 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 no. Israel, you are where you are. And I've, I've chosen you and I've loved. I've set my, set my love upon you. Because, verse 8, because he loved them. So while you're arguing with God for every reason why he can't love you. He's telling you, there's not a reason whereby I can't love you. Because I love you. Because I love you. Murderer, adult, it don't matter. You can be a good moral person. And he loves you. Because he loves you. So don't, don't tell God what he can and can't do. Don't read God his rights about what's acceptable for him to love. He chose. He chose. And I'm looking to you all tonight. He chose you. He chose you. He loves you because he loves you. I wish I could give you something deep and profound, but let me tell you, that's pretty deep and profound. Because we get so tied and knotted up in this world that we, we got to, you know, you're not acceptable unless, right, you meet this criteria and you're part of the group. You come in with whatever list you got, however tattered it may be, however insufficient you feel that it is. And he's like, I love you. Why, God? Don't have to have a wife for you. I love you. Because I love you. It's hard to deal with, though, isn't it? That's not how we operate in humanity. It's hard to, it's hard to really process that, isn't it? Because that's not even the way that we operate with other people, is it? But God lives in a, in a different kingdom than we do. It's an upside-down kingdom. In his kingdom, the last shall be first. In his kingdom, the greatest is the least among them. In his kingdom, you don't... You don't earn his love. He gives it. He loves you. Because he loves you. We bow our heads across this place tonight. My, 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 my God.
God says, it wasn't your numbers. It wasn't your righteousness. Nope. It wasn't what you did. It's just who I am. I love because I love. I love because I love. And even if you don't love me in return, guess what? I'll keep loving you because I love you. Even if you would ever turn your back upon me and just do all kinds of opposing things to me, I'll love you because I love you. Well, I uphold my justice absolutely because I can't be a liar unto myself, but it will never keep me from loving you. Let me tell you, if you ever walk away from God and come back to God, you don't have to question or not whether or not he's loving you because he's loved you all along the journey, all along the way, all along the time that you've been gone. He'll never stop loving you. And I know we've done praying, but this altar is open tonight because someone might need to reconcile some things. If you read further there in, in, in Romans 8, if you read further in Romans 8, the Bible says, after those scriptures I read about how we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's about another verse or so down that says this, that when we were enemies of God, that he reconciled us by his death. And if we're, while we were enemies, he reconciled us by his death, then how much more should he save us by his life? That's powerful. When you were an enemy, per se, of God, he reconciled you. How in the world? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Someone just needs to surrender. Someone just needs to surrender. Just lift up your hands with outstretched hands, just hands of surrender. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to speak anything. You just need to raise your hands in a surrender posture and just accept the fact that he loves you because he loves you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.